foreign country, and a priest, a lawyer, and an engineer uh, had gone to this country, gotten himself into trouble, and was about to be guillotined uh, and their head cut off. And the priest, they gave the priest first, put his head on the block, and they pulled the rope, and nothing happened. And he declares that he's been saved by divine intervention, so he's let go. The lawyer is next. They put his head on the block, and again, the rope doesn't release the blade. And he claims he can't be executed twice for the same crime, and he's set free to go. They grab the engineer and shove his head on the guillotine. He looks up at the release mechanism, and he says, Wait a minute, I see your problem.
by the world system. It's not food or drink. But then he goes on to say that if the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, here's the whole point. Where do we get righteousness from? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Where do we get our righteousness from? The only righteousness I've got, my righteousness, my own personal righteousness, according to what the Bible says, is filthy rags. I have no righteousness. The only righteousness I have is to be clothed by Jesus Christ. You and I were absolutely, totally bankrupt. We have a stench our name. In fact, we are overdrawn. And God takes the wealth of Jesus and puts it into our account. What He does. That we're righteous because of what Christ has done. Then He tells us, He tells us that simply that it's, that it's peace. Well, Jesus said, and see if you're experiencing this, Jesus said, My peace I give unto you. This is in the book of Mark. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives unto you, I give unto you. What's He saying? His peace is that peace where Jesus is asleep in the boat or about the ground and the disciples wake him up and say, Lord, don't you care? We're about the ground here. And he's asleep in the boat. He's saying, my peace I give you is the kind of peace when everything is falling apart, when everything's going south on you. There's a calmness about you because you know you're God's way. And finally, he tells us simply this. He says it's joy. Well, where do we get our joy from? We get our joy from the chapter of the book of Psalms that says, In His presence is fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, here's my question. So, you got to get depressed. If you don't spend much, why are you, why are you not happy? Why do you don't spend, have joy like you can spend on That's where the joy is. See, I've had to come to the place in my own life where I had to realize it has nothing to do with me. I've got to depend absolutely to abide in Him in such a way that those things are not. I cannot do it. I, I, I listen to somebody and they say, man, Lee, you don't know what's going to forgive. How can I forgive that person? Let me tell you how you forgive. How you forgive that person. You forgive that person because Jesus forgave I don't have the strength to forgive them. He does. I never will forget Claire Barton who started American Red Cross some people did some real dirty things to her when the American Red Cross got started. And when he did, uh, later on in life, uh, uh, later on when the Red Cross really took off. And when it took off, they were having a big conference, and Miss Barton was there, and they were going to honor her and everything, and all the big crowd. And somebody came up to her and said, Miss Barton, did you see who was here? And she said, no, I didn't. And they said, don't you look over there, see those people? And she looked over there and said, oh, hey, hi, how are you all doing over there? And they said, Remember what those people did to you? Look what she said. She said, No, I clearly remember deciding to forgive them. See, some of us in here tonight are, are bound because somebody did something to us and we can't forgive them. And the reason we can't forgive them is because we won't decide to forgive them. That's how forgiveness, forgiveness is not a feeling. Jesus, I ain't got my message yet. Jesus said, Jesus said this. He said in, John, in, in Luke 17, He said, It is impossible that offenses not come. It's impossible. You're going to be offended one way or the other. Somebody, somebody's going to sit in your seat. Somebody's going to get your parking spot. Somebody's not going to speak to you, and you're going to get offended. My answer to 
glad as the Bible says you're not resisted unto the work of God. Nobody's wanting to whack your head off because, you know, because of that those kind of things. And so you have nothing to say about it. So what are you experiencing? See, where is Christianity? The, the question I want us to become to a place and really begin to answer is not how we became a Christian. I want us to come to a place and understand is why we are a Christian. What is Jesus doing in your life? You came to Him. He saved you. Now what's going on? What's going on? Now the good news is, over in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, He who has begun a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. He's working on you right now, whether you realize it or not. The Bible says that you're His workmanship created under good work. That were, that were created before the foundation of earth, that you should walk in it. He's got already got a plan for you. Uh, Jeremiah 29, what, 11, what does that say? Oh, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Plans not to hurt you, harm you, but to give you hope and give you a future. That's God's plan for you. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. You know? And, so, and over in, in the book of Philippians, it says, uh, work out your own salvation and spare trembling. That means get out of his way, let him work in you. Because the next verse says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good work. God is trying to do something in our life now before we ever get to heaven. You know, if you get with Him and let Him do some things in your life right now, you won't have to stand in line when you get to heaven. Amen. That line's going to be long. I don't know about you, I don't like standing in line. Now listen to what the Bible says over in James. I want to read one verse in James. Uh, chapter four, uh, James chapter 4, verse 8. Listen to what it says. James says, it says this. It says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for blessing us. Lord, You know, You tell us in the Word of God, You tell us all the and I went to uh, Outer Banks a couple of years ago. We landed in Norfolk, uh, Virginia, and we got in there about 11.30 at night, and the big airport and everything there was just basically empty. We had to walk down to the rent-a-car place. We got to the rent-a-car place, and when we did, um, the girl behind the counter, we were the only one around, there was nobody in that place, and she said, uh, Mr. Cruz, would you like to, uh, would you like to uh, move up? What's that going to cost you? She said, uh, it won't cost me anything to move. I said, well, yeah, I'll have to move. She said, well, the only thing I got left, I got a Cadillac, I got a BMW, and I got a Mercedes. Well, it's cheaper, you know. And, and I said, I'll take the BMW. So we did. I mean, that thing was black. We found out that that, that car cost $80,000. And we're driving this $80,000 car. We couldn't even figure out how to get it out of the cotton picking uh, the, 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 the parking place. We didn't know how to start it. I mean, I've never had a key fob and all that kind of stuff before. The 
the distance. And I go down on the phone and do it again, you know. I called Aaron up and I told Aaron, I said, Aaron, I'm taking this thing back. He said, why? I said, the front end's out of line. He said, Dad, that thing ain't out of line. It's got all those sensors on it. And every time you get to the white light, because everybody knows how I weed, every time that thing, it just pulls you back. So, uh, you know, are we ready to move up? Are you tired of living defeated? You know, this whole life is just preparation, guys, for heaven. The joy of heaven ought to be our joy now. The peace of heaven ought to be our peace now. The things that He wants us to do are happening now. And we're not doing that. There's too many of us that are living defeated in our Christian walk and our life. Why is it that when the Bible talks about the sower, that it talks about there were some that, that reaped 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. The reason being one reason. Because some were given everything and some were not given out as much. So what's the Lord doing in your life? And so that's what I want to basically get into. James says that if we would draw near to God, that He would draw near to us. Jeremiah, we read this, and we all know what verse 11 says in Jeremiah. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But then we don't go on, because listen to what it says in verse 12. Then you will call on me, and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Do you hear what he's saying? God is promising His Word is immutable. It will never pass. He said, I will listen to you when you pray. Let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you had a prayer answer? How long has it been since you knew for a fact that God has answered your prayer? He said, I, you call on me and I will listen to you, verse 13. And listen to this. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Is that your experience? Are you... Have you, have you come to the place that you're seeking for Him with all your heart and all your... Now, now here's the thing, guys. I'm not talking to you about salvation. I'm not talking about whether you're saved or not. No, I'm talking to you now about walking with Him and living the Christian life is what I'm talking about. And so he goes on. And in Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2, he tells us this. He says, Hear my cry, O Lord, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my... Listen to this. When my heart is somebody here, their heart's overwhelmed. My when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. When you're overwhelmed, when you feel like you can't take another step, lead me to that rock that higher than I am. Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. Truly, my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not greatly be moved. He is my rock. I don't depend on anything. So the first thing I do, I say to myself, I gotta go tell Jesus. I gotta tell Jesus. When I when I don't know how I'm gonna pay a bill, I gotta go tell Jesus. When I'm feeling bad, I gotta go tell Jesus. When I got when I've got relational problems, I gotta go tell Jesus. I gotta go tell Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer. Do you get that? Do you get that with all your heart and soul? Jesus says to us in Mark, Matthew 11, 28, Come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May I ask you how long it's been since you laid down in your bed at night and really slept? 
how long has it been since you really rested? Or He wants you to do this. Do you hear Him calling you away from all the hustle and all the bustle of life? Do you hear Him saying, just come alone with me? In the book of Mark, Jesus is talking to His disciples and He tells them something that I also believe is for us. He says in Mark 6.31, And He said to them, Come aside. Listen to me. He's saying this to you this morning. Come aside by yourself to a deserted place. And then He says this, Oh, rest a while. Come on. Come aside to a deserted place, to a quiet place, and just rest for a while. Oh, how, how does that how does that sound? What sounds so good? You see, this morning, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about whether or not you know Jesus. I'm talking about rest for your soul. I'm talking about coming to the Lord. I'm not talking about being saved. I'm talking about salvation is by Christ and Christ alone and what He's accomplished in Calvary. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 13, Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And He's made it simple. Romans 10, 9, If we confess Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Revelation 3, 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice and will, uh, and, and will come into me, I, I open the door, I will come in and live with him and he with me forever. It even tells me over in John 1, 12, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God and to those who believe on His name. Oh, He made it so simple. And that's why Paul said, He said, Will we not be taken away from the simplicity that this Jesus said? He made it so simple for you to come. Just to come and say, Lord, I need You. But I'm not talking about salvation this morning. We're talking about sanctification. We're talking about how God wants to take you and set you apart and to make you holy. God has saved you and you're secure. But the Lord wants more from us. He's saying, come aside with me and rest a while. Come aside with me and rest a while. How many times have I heard Squire Parsons? I don't know if some of you people like Southern Gospel or not, but there's an old guy called Squire Parsons and he used to sing a song called Beulah Land. Beulah Land. Great old song. And most would, would, would argue that the song is referring to heaven. But the term Beulah Land is found over in Isaiah 62, verse 4. It says, You shall no longer be termed, termed forsaken, nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate, but ye shall be called Hephzibah, and in your land Beulah, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. Jonathan Bunyan refers to it in Pilgrim's Progress as a sledge in a fertile country beyond the shadow of death. Ever sit on a hill and look down into the valley? The beauty of it? And your breath is just taking That's what I love so much. I love the ocean, but I tell you, I love to go to Tennessee. I love to stay in places like Cherokee Meadows and on those hills and those mountains. I love to look down to those valleys. There's just something, there's something that just settling inside you. There's something wonderful. You know, there's a wonderful place. Here's what I'm trying to say. When Jonathan says, there's a country beyond the shadow of death. But in the Hebrew, it also means master. Like, you know, when you were a child growing up, you, 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 had, a, you had a sacred place. Many of you did. It wasn't really a place. 
Ezekiel 15, 16. Or may I tell you, there's a wonderful place in this life. And notice I said in this life, in this life where if we will allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be our master, that He will allow Him to control all the things in our life. It's a place of rest. Paul described this place in Hebrews 4, chapter 4. Here's what he said, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. I went first, I went first when we get to heaven, there's going to be a big warehouse up there. And if you walk through it, then there's going to be all these boxes up there. And somebody says, What are all these boxes up here? He says, That's all the blessings that God had for His people that they never, ever accepted. I really believe that's the same thing about rest. It tells me here that there's a place, there, 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 there's a rest for the people of God. There's a rest for God's people. You are so labored and you are so working yourself there. I talked to Bobby who worked 80-something hours this past week. I, I, I hear other people and all the things they're going through and the worries and, and some of you that's got children that are out of the fold and other things like that and you're so worried, sick about it. You're so anxious about things. said, I've got a place for you. If you'll take it, if you'll enter into it, there remains a rest for the people of God. But then he goes on to verse 10. He says, For he who has entered his rest has him has himself also seized from his works as God did from his. What does that mean? It means you're no longer trying to figure it out. Oh, you say, are you trusting the Lord? Oh, yeah, I'm trusting. And then you go about and you try to manipulate, you know, do all kinds. You're just like Jacob, Jacob the manipulator. Jacob had a problem, you know, rather than trusting God. He always tried to work everything out. That's like when he found out Esau was coming coming against him. What did he do? He put half his people up here, another half here. What, are you still hanging on to things? That's what we do. We say, have you prayed about it? Oh, yeah. I went alone. I prayed about it. I prayed about it, you know. But we give it to God. We give things to God and we take them back. I've had people come up here on this altar and they want to pray with me. And they say, oh, yeah, i got all kinds of problems. I said, okay, are we willing to give it to the Lord? Yes, let's give it to the Lord. And we give it to them. And you know what? They go back to their seat. And on the way back, somebody says, honey, how are you doing? And they say, oh, I don't know how my mother well, What do we just do up here? Huh? You didn't give it to God. You, you're still carrying it. You're still carrying that thing. And so he says, they've entered his residence, seized from his own works. Of and then he listens to his verse 11. He said, let us therefore be diligent. To enter that rest, least anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Let us, the old King James says, let us labor to enter into there. In other words, you've got you to force, you've got to move into do it. But there's a wonderful place of rest in this world. If we'll seek Him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. So it's a wonderful place of rest if we will draw near to Him. For He that is faithful has promised us draw near to us. Let me say it again. He promised you that if you draw near to Him, you'll draw near to you. He promised you. And you don't know the times I've gone alone and I get out of my truck and I go someplace and I just walk. People pull up beside me and they think I'm a nut. And I'm talking to the Lord. Not only telling him all my troubles, I'm telling him all your troubles too. And I'm telling him, I'm saying, Lord, would you see 
you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, so He's asking this. Well, what does that mean? It's asking the wrong purposes, the evil, selfish motives. Then when you get you get it, the intention is to spend it on some kind of sensual pleasure. In verse 4, if we become friends with the world system, then we begin to live and depend on the world. Thus we become, as it says in verse 4, you become an enemy of God. Yeah. 
but he also gives grace to, to the humble. Then he says this, he says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Now, if you want to continue in your life worry and frustration and depression and anxiety, the Lord will allow you to do that. Because Revelation 2.20 says He knocks at the door. God comes to the door. He knocks at your heart. He will not come any farther. He knocks and you have to let Him in. Salvation, yes. But also, if you want to soar, if you want to find a place of rest, that haven of rest, then you've got to let Him in. You have to dedicate yourself. How? But understand that verse does not say, if you will draw near to God, He will sometimes draw near to you. Or it doesn't say, or draw near to God and He might draw near to you. No, it says, if you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. And that is the promise. People sometimes say, well, I have tried to get close to God, but it's just too far. No, no, no. He said, I will draw near to you. He promised you He would. So don't give me that. You didn't want Him to draw near. Now, I love that little book. Uh, My heart cries hope. And Jesus comes to live in the house of this guy. And He does. He starts going through every room. He starts changing everything up. And, he, and the guy comes home one day and, and, uh, and he's standing, Jesus is standing outside the house. And he says, what are you doing standing out here? He says, because there's a stink up the upstairs, go up in it, and he said, well, tell me, I smell it in there. He said, well, I, really, Lord, I don't want, uh, I don't want to tell what, uh, uh, he said, if you don't let me have I'm going to move out. How many of us have got stinks in our closet? See, I know that we've all done things. I don't care who you are. The Bible says, what profit have you now in those things which you're ashamed of? Everybody's done that. i got a closet I don't want anybody to find out about. But I've had to open it up and say, Lord, come on in. Get the stink out. That's what we got to do. You know? So, then you'll have to dedicate yourself. But understand, the verse does not say, I might get close to you. Because if you then, verse 8 tells us how you things to do. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, your double-minded means one day you believe this, and the next day you, you believe something else. Oh, that's not what it means. And, and the whole thing, the Bible says over in the book of Psalms, 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. That doesn't mean you're lost again. Here's what it's saying. The Lord says, we ain't going nowhere if you can take care of this. You want to have a relationship with me? Okay. Then get rid of this. Who's the person you won't forget? Who's the person that you don't like? Who, what, what is it that you've got going on in your life that in reality God said, give me that? And that's the whole walk. That's the whole sanctification. Why God continually putting His finger in our life and saying, "Give me that." So let me give you real quickly four things that you, as a person, and this will go quick, as we as a church are going to experience a haven of rest and have the power of God in our life. Here's, here's number one: complete pardon for sins of the past, problems, areas you're having trouble. In other words, Psalms 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxiety. And see if there's a wicked way in me and lead me in the life, along way to the life. Now, maybe you're saying right now, I thought that you said that when we come to Christ, all of our sins are forgiven. And it does say over Colossians 2.13, And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision, he's made alive together with him, having forgiven you what? Part of your sins? Huh? No, he forgave you of all your sins. You see, once you come to Christ, that's just the start. 
get mad. Now he's wanting to do something with you. You're his workmanship. So now as you begin to climb, as you begin to move, he starts putting his things in. All right, see? Here, let's get this. My wife is here. She wants to pull out everything in her house. It's mine.
What is it in your life that keeps you from having the peace and the joy the Lord wants you to have? Is it a habit? Or a doubtful type of character? Or is it the language you use? What is it in your life? Then away with it. It must be crucified. And some look for... You know, people come to me, they want to talk about drinking a lot of them, you know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, well, it's, it's, it's not the issue. They, they're looking for answers. Here's what they want to say. Is it, here's what they want to like. Is it all right that I do this? Is that your relationship? No. Listen, God wants to do things in your life to the place that you're doing it because you're close to Him. You know, for there's something that is what's keeping from the joy and the peace then there must be self-denial. There must be dying to that in your life. That's what he's saying. Here's the third thing. Complete and immediate obedience to the Holy Spirit as to what He's telling you to do. What is the Holy Spirit? I've got to learn. Look how the kind of Christian I had to learn to listen to that voice. But when He's telling me things, what's He telling me? You may be saying, well, I don't know of anything. Listen, has the Lord placed something right in front of you? when we need teachers, when we need bus drivers, when we need people to work in various ministries in this church. Now, I remember Harry Blackaby in his book, Experiencing God, said, if you're trying to assert the will of God for your life and you're not sure what to do, he said, find someone or find a group uh, that is doing something for the Lord and go and join with them. And when I've seen people that do this, guess what? Most of the time, that leads to other ministries. He said, find someone as a or a group or a group. Is there something prompting you to pray? Is, is, is there something that's saying to you you need to go pray about? Is the Holy Spirit, does what you believe, does the Word of God support it? Has the, has the Lord given you an anchor verse that confirms that the Holy Spirit is saying to do it? Then do it. I believe the Lord gives us opportunities in the moment. And He opens... He opens the door for us that will bring about things that you know not of, is what He says. But He also tells us that the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and let us walk properly in the day and reviling and drunkenness or lewdness, lust or strife and envy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it yet. Many times I've heard men say who are called to preach, they said, no, I'll, I'll go into business and I'll make plenty of money and I'll give it to the church. Didn't happen. And I'm telling you, they feel a lack of significance because they're not doing what God says. This world may linger, but we'll not be here long. Bow to Him now to allow opportunity the Lord has given you to pass. Today is the day of salvation. That means you can't past is gone. You don't know what. You have no promise about tomorrow. Today is the only day you have. Fourth and final thing. This is it. Personal and public confession of Christ. This is why our country is in problems today, people. Because Christians have kept their mouths shut. I'm not talking about arguing with people. I'm talking about glorifying Jesus Christ and His name and lifting His name up everywhere you go. Do the people, listen, do the people you work in your job, do they know you're a Christian? The people you hang with, do they know you're a Christian? Because if you are, you have a, you set yourself up. They're not going to ask you to do something that they know you won't do. It's time 
that we begin to confess Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about confessing Him as coming for salvation. I'm talking for standing for Christ and confessing Him everywhere we go. At your job, in your home, with your friends, your family, let them know where you stand. He's talking about standing in this God-forsaken world and saying, I stand for Jesus. Have a confession of Jesus as Savior, yes, but He's also Lord. Is the Lord telling you to go in this place and speak up? Well, we, we go so far, guys, in this world that we can't even wish somebody's married. 